Hi. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by First Baptist Church. Here at FBC, it's our mission to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, and we hope that this message helps you continue to grow in your faith. This audio is property of First Baptist Church, but feel free to give away copies of this message in the hopes that others will be impacted by what they hear. For more information about FBC, or if you want to stay connected with us, visit our website at fbclloyd.ca or look us up on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks, and enjoy the latest from FBC. Hi again. People were asking me before when I was running around in my trunks if I was uh, just trying to fit in with the set up here. No. It's so cool to have those baptisms. I, uh, man, and just really cool. Jarwin and then uh, three of the Jewets. Um, so cool. And Woody here and then David being able to, that's like just to touch down as a father, I think, to see your kids taking that step. That's just so cool. Anyway, um, we're running out of time. Time's just sort of drifting away on us here. So let's pray, and then I'm going to get, just dive right into the message this morning. So if you would, bow your heads with me. Father, today we just stop and we say thank you. Thank you for the gift that's been to see these four people take the step of obedience and baptism. And I just pray that you would be with each of them, with Jaryu and with uh, Viam and Vashti and Bryson, and, and God, that you would just go with them, that this would be a milestone, a spiritual milestone that they would carry with them. Uh, for the rest of their lives and so bless them for that and be with us now as we go into this message and as we turn and look at this whole area of peace and as we examine that from your word we just ask God that you would um, by your spirit be working in our hearts and our minds that you would be granting us peace this morning that we would be able to take with us into the rest of this day into the rest of our uh, lives as well so we commit this time we ask for your blessing upon it all in Christ's name and for his sake amen all right. At the beginning of this series, I mentioned that this um, whole uh, area of the fruit of the Spirit is not something that we want to just sort of dive into ourselves and try and accomplish on our own. It's not sort of a checklist that we look at and then we just try and go out and manufacture that. That this is actually a series where we want to engage with the Holy Spirit in our lives, where we come alongside Him and He comes alongside of us and we work at these areas, and He grows these areas in our lives. So that's how we want to be approaching this. And as we come to this message on peace, I thought that this would give us a little bit more of an opportunity to speak into that whole part of it this morning. Just the fact that we need to be engaging with the Holy Spirit in our lives to accomplish the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. So as we come to Paul, and we see... Paul writing about peace throughout Scripture, basically it, fall, it will fall into one of three categories as he speaks about peace. Number one, he talks about peace with God. Number two, he talks about the peace of God. And then he talks about peace with others, living at peace with others, and particularly living at peace with people in the church, other Christians, all right? And so, as we go back and we look at these specific areas, number one, peace with God is established as we place our faith in Jesus Christ to have paid the debt of our sin through his death and resurrection. Now, that's what we were celebrating this morning in baptism. That's what you see in the baptismal testimonies that you have in, in your books there this morning, is people that have made that decision to place their faith in Jesus Christ 
And as they have made that decision then, they have peace with God. That establishes peace with God. By the way, if you didn't um, know, those baptism testimonies are online. And so anybody that's viewing online this morning or anybody here that would like to go back and see them, maybe you lose your booklet or what have you, if you go to fbclloyd.ca and then under bulletin, slash bulletin, you'll be able to find those testimonies there and you'll be able to read them for yourselves if you haven't already. But that's what was celebrated. These people have made peace with God through their trusting in Jesus Christ and what he accomplished for their salvation. Now, that's the first and foremost issue that God wants to establish for all of us, is peace with Him. And so that should be our first and foremost issue that we want to get addressed. Until we have peace with God, we've got big problems. So we need to establish that. It's a problem. This is the problem that He wants to address first because the problem of sin separates us from God. When we had sin come into our lives through Adam and now through all of us as well, each of us has sinned, that has created a separation between us and God. And so that's why it's his first priority, why it should be our first priority is to remedy that problem. And the only way that we can remedy that problem is through Jesus Christ. A holy God has to address sin. Because sin is ultimately a rebellion against God. All right? And so we can't take sin and we can't dismiss it as some sort of a peripheral issue this morning. We can't think that it is somehow a, on a tangent over here that we can address otherwise or that we can handle otherwise and that it doesn't affect my relationship with God. Sin severs our relationship with God. And so that problem of sin has to be dealt with. So until we come to that point where we recognize that fact, and until we come to the point where we recognize what Jesus did, who He is, and what He did to solve the problem of sin, then we are not saved. And we do not have peace with God this morning. You can be the best person out there. You can be doing all kinds of good work. You can be trying to be like Jesus. But until you've come to that place where you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, having paid the penalty of your sin, which is to say having died in our place, and then trusted in His resurrection now for our eternity, our eternal life going forward, then we're not saved. So we need to get that problem established. And we, there's nothing that we can do on our own to do that, to accomplish that. Only Jesus Christ is able to accomplish that because only Jesus Christ lived a, a perfect life. Only He never sinned. And that's why He can pay the penalty of our sin because He had a perfect life to lay down in our place. of The perfect sacrifice. The only acceptable sacrifice. So He didn't die for His sins. He died for our sins. And as we trust Him for what He did on our behalf, then God looks at us and He says, all right, now, because you have trusted in my son, Jesus Christ, to have dealt with your sin, now we are restored in our relationship and we can move on enjoying peace with God. So oftentimes when we come to Scripture like the fruit of the Spirit, what we do is we take a look at this and we see it as a checklist. 
that we should be trying to accomplish in our lives. We go down and we say, oh, I've got to be loving. You know, I've got to do, I've got to have joy. I've got to be peaceful. And we start and try and check these things off one by one. And we try and accomplish them on our own. Hoping that somehow that will get us to the point where God will accept us. That we'll have reached the bar where we're good enough for God. But that's not correct. That doesn't work. The only way is through Jesus. And so we have to place our trust in Him. Once we recognize that, then we're good to go. So in light of that peace then, and as a sign of that peace with God, at the same point as we make a decision to trust in Jesus Christ, God sends His Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to live within us. So once we have that peace with Him, as an indication of that peace with Him, as an indication then of our salvation, if, if you will, then the Holy Spirit comes to reside in you and I, demonstrating that we have peace with God. And at that point, the Holy Spirit begins to work in us to build us into the people that God wants us to be. To build us into the people that God initially intended for us to be. And to restore the relationship with us that He had intended for us to have with Him from the very beginning. So that becomes the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. From that point on then, with the advantage of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we can now have what Paul calls peace of God. The peace of God. And that's the next thing that we need to talk about. And thirdly, then, we also have the ability to have peace with others. Without God working in our lives, without the Holy Spirit working in our lives, those second and third areas are unaccomplishable. So we need Him working in our, in our world with that. So it's in these latter two respects, then, that Paul is talking about here as he talks about the fruit of the Spirit being peace. He's talking to us now about allowing the Holy Spirit to work in our lives to develop us with the peace of God and the peace with one another, to, to pursue peace with one another. So by this then, we need to understand this morning as we come to these fruit of the Spirit that the fruit of the Spirit are indicative. Okay? They're indicative, which is to say they're indications of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. That's what they are. They're indicative. They are not imperatives, which is to say they are not things that are imperative for our salvation. Alright? Our salvation has been accomplished by Jesus Christ and what He did. And as a result of that now, the fruit of the Spirit are indicative of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. We've got to keep those things straight. Otherwise, we'll end up trying to work for our salvation and miss the point. So don't, don't get that confused. Now, I'm trying to talk fast this morning. Our time is slipping away. As we talk about this now being the work of the Holy Spirit, working in our lives. These fruit being the 
manifestations of Him, the result of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. That's not to say that we don't have to engage in this process ourselves as well. Alright? It's not just something that we just wait for Him to accomplish and sit back and just relax and coast. We have to engage with the Holy Spirit in this. So, as we talked about last week, as an example then, this whole area of joy, the Holy Spirit doesn't come along and just wave His little wand or sprinkle pixie dust on us, and then all of a sudden we're just joyful. Right? As we talked about last week, what happens is as the Holy Spirit works in our lives to assure us of our identity and value, then we begin to have peace. As He works in our lives then and affirms to us our belonging, that we belong to God and that nothing is going to ever sever that after having placed our faith in Him, well then now we begin to have joy. Sorry, did I say peace before? We have joy as He establishes our purpose and our identity and our, and our um, value. And we have joy as He establishes belonging. All these things come about as we engage with Him in that process, not just because He waves His wand. So we need to understand this morning that we have a choice and we have work to do when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit that we have to engage with Him in this process. So, picture it this way, if you will. It's a little bit like having a tutor in math. Okay? When we need help in math, the tutor doesn't come along to do all the work for you. The tutor comes along to help you learn to do the work. To help you understand what's going on. Help you to understand the concepts to engage in or to employ to accomplish these math problems. But we still have a part to play in that. We have to learn what the tutor's teaching us. We have to engage in that with them. We have to then start to exercise it on our own. Use it, employ it in our lives. And as we allow them to help us, and as we participate in that with them, then we get better at it. And it grows in us. We get to be better mathematicians. Here it's very similar with the Holy Spirit. He comes alongside of us. He guides us and assists us and helps us to build these skills, these characteristics in our lives. But we still have to make those characteristics our own. We still have to engage with Him in that process. And that's what Paul is talking about in this chapter as he encourages the Galatians to be walking in the Spirit or walking by the Spirit. He's encouraging them to engage with the Holy Spirit. To develop these gifts of the Holy Spirit. These characteristics, these fruit. And then to walk according to those things in our lives. To employ all of these different characteristics day by day. So with all of that said then, that backdrop a little bit more on the role of the Holy Spirit in the fruit of the Spirit then let's get back to this area of peace. And let's start with the peace of God. The peace of God. The peace of God is having peace of mind that transcends our circumstances. That's where we can enjoy a level of calmness or tranquility in our lives regardless of what's going on around us. Even when the circumstances of our lives are 
such that it would cause turmoil, stress, pressure, tension, etc. With the peace of God, we can transcend that and we can walk calmly in peace through our lives. It's the ability then to live without stress, without worry and anxiety. Now, Jesus speaks about this a lot in his Sermon on the Mount, specifically in Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 34. And I'm going to just leave that with you this morning to go home and check that out, remind yourself of what he had to say there. But he also speaks really concisely about the peace of God in John chapter 14, verses 25 to 27. So this is Jesus talking. And he's talking to his disciples. And as he talks to his disciples, he's talking to you and I as well. So through the disciples to you and I this morning. So we can understand and we can actually apply what he's saying here. So Jesus says this, All this I have spoken while still with you. He's just been giving them a whole bunch of instructions. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So, as we hear Jesus speaking into the lives of His disciples and us this morning, we need to understand this. He's saying, hey, listen. All this stuff that I've been teaching you, all these things that I've been speaking into your life, the perspective that I've been giving you, the promises that I've been giving you, the direction that I'm sending you in, the priorities that I have set for you, all of these things, the Holy Spirit is now going to come and remind you of going forward. I need that, boy, because you know, so oftentimes we cram for an exam, right? We cram for an exam. We try and keep all this stuff in and we get through the exam and then it just disappears. God is so good. He's spoken to, he's been teaching these guys for a number of years now. And, and he comes along and he says, all this stuff that I've been telling you about, even this stuff that I've been just telling you about in the last few minutes, don't worry, the Holy Spirit is going to come and he's going to remind you about all of this. He's going to help you to remember it. He's going to continue to stir this up in your in your mind so that you don't forget and what that's going to do then is that that is going to give you peace that's going to result in you having my peace in your life so that as you come into the circumstances of your life regardless of whatever that is whatever that health diagnosis might be whatever my marital situation might be right now whatever might be going on in my kids lives that's causing me stress then as we remember what God has said to us, who He has promised us to be, what He has promised to do, the fact that He will be with us, etc., etc., and all, the fact that His, His, His mercies are new every morning, all of these things the Holy Spirit reminds us of so that we can get up and we can face the day not fetal. That we can go into the day 
through these circumstances and we can live out our lives in a whole different manner than the rest of the world around us who don't have the advantage of the Holy Spirit working in them. That don't know God and who He is and what He's promised for us. His perspectives and His priorities and the assurance that that brings to you and I today knowing that we are on the side of Almighty God and that He is with us. And that He will be with us wherever life takes us going forward. So what we need to understand here this morning is that the result of the Holy Spirit working in us to teach us and to remind us of Jesus' priorities, His perspectives and His promises, is the peace of God for you and for me today. Now, Paul goes on and he sums this up in a different way in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. There Paul says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present, present your requests to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. As we begin to take what we know about Jesus, what we've been taught about Jesus, what the Holy Spirit continues to remind us about Jesus, and as we begin to let that frame our perspective in life, as we start to to stand on those promises as we, we grow in, in our trust, as we move out a little bit further and further onto those promises, as we pray about them. Lord, you said that your mercies are going to be new every morning. And here's where I'm at today. You know what the doctor just told me. You know what my wife just told me. You know what's going on in the lives of my kids. And I need your help. And as we learn to trust Him in that, and as we learn to stand on that, and we go to Him in prayer and we say, Lord, be with me today. I'm holding you to your promise. Help me to navigate this. Then He comes along by His Spirit and will usher us through the day with a confidence and with an assurance that we can't have otherwise. As we face the challenges and the turmoil in our lives, as we faithfully take it to God and trust Him, He will grant us peace by His Spirit. So, what we need to hear, know here then, what we need to remember here then, is that the peace of God is not a, a blithe and oblivious state of mind. It's not where we wander through life ignorant, and unaware of the challenges around us. He's not asking us to ignore them. He's not asking us to pretend they don't exist. He's not playing games with us. What he's saying is that as we grow and allow the Holy Spirit to nurture in us an unfailing confidence in God, in His care for us, in His competence to help us, that He'll be working for our good and granting us peace. 
And at that point, then, we'll begin to know and experience that peace that transcends understanding, where the world around us begins to say, what's up, dude? Like, I know what's going on in your world. And how are you able to handle this without being completely in knots? The second area of peace that Paul is referring to here is, called, is God's call on our life to live at peace with those around us and to promote peace with others and particularly within the context of the church. And to a certain extent, I think that this is maybe even more specifically what Paul is talking about here as he is thinking about this area of the fruit of the Spirit. Because you'll recall, remember, he was addressing these false teachers that were messing with the church. There was the lawmen and there was the lawbreakers. And the, the ones that were saying, well, you need Jesus, yes, but you also need to be following the law. And on the other side of the coin, there was a bunch of false teachers that were saying, well, once you've got Jesus, you don't need to live by any laws. You can just do whatever you want. So there's been this turmoil. There's been this issue that's been going on and it's been causing upheaval and friction and problems in the Galatian church. And so I wonder if Paul isn't even thinking about this at the top of his list as he comes to the fruit of the Spirit. As he calls us to live at peace not to cause problems, not to cause issues. I don't know, that's just a question in my mind. But nevertheless, one way or the other, as we go through Scripture, we see regularly that we are called to live as peaceful people with the world around us and particularly fellow Christians. Romans 12, verse 18 says, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And as we study Scripture we find that this is not a passive command where we're only to respond peacefully when things happen to us, when things come up. That it's not just something that we, we sit back and we wait to respond nicely or well. It's a command for us to actually be actively promoting peace. So where we see the potential for peace to go off the rails in relationships with ourselves, even between others, that we should be acting as peacemakers. That we are to engage in those situations in a way that would bring about peace. Okay? And now this is so huge. This is a big deal to God. So we can't just dismiss this this morning. And it applies to us all. Every one of us. And it particularly applies to us as followers of Jesus Christ within the context of the church. Listen to this. Listen carefully to what Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. So this is Paul speaking. For he himself, talking about Jesus, is our peace, who has made the two groups. So he's talking here about the differences between Gentiles and Jews which was causing all kinds of issues. And that was, it, was a, it was a tension. It was a, the biggest tension going forward. The Jews didn't want anything to do with the Gentiles. And the Gentiles had big problems with the Jews, and it was causing all kinds of, of grief and havoc. And as Christ had opened up faith to the Gentiles beyond the Jewish people, that was causing problems. So Paul comes along and he speaks into it to the 
to the, for, the, for the Ephesians and for you and I today. So he, he says, For he himself, Jesus, is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. By setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose, now get this, this is underline this in your Bible. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. Now listen, listen carefully to what Paul tells us right there. Jesus Christ came in order to establish peace in the midst of a world without any peace where peace had gone out the window because of sin. And he's establishing peace in both sides of the equation. The Jews and the Gentiles, we all fall into one of those categories. And so what he was seeking to accomplish was to call himself, to himself, a whole new humanity out of those two groups by virtue of those that follow him. And that group is to be characterized by peace. So when we take communion on Sunday morning or what have you, and it calls for us to be unified in the body, Jesus isn't just whistling Dixie. He is talking about the unity that He came to bring, the unity that He came to fulfill. So this morning as we sit here and as we've been just through months of this COVID business and we've got vaccines, over here, vaxxers and anti-vaxxers, we got vaccines and we got no vaccines and all this kind of stuff. Jesus is saying, I don't care. Unity is what I'm looking for, people. Yeah, amen. And it doesn't just stop there. It goes into all of the rest of the issues of our lives where God calls us to be peacemakers with one another, and thereby to stand out to the world around us as that new humanity that Christ came to establish and to accomplish through His death. Colossians 3.15 says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. And then Romans 14 verses 17 to 19 says this, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Church family and friends this morning, as we talk about making waves, as we talk about going into our community and making waves for Jesus Christ, bringing Him to the attention of a world that is in dire need of knowing Him, then what we need to know and what we need to understand this morning is that that begins in you and I today as we engage with the Holy Spirit in our hearts and in our minds. He's got to make these kind of waves in you and I first so that then we can go into the rest of the world and make a wave for Jesus out there. So we need to engage with the Holy Spirit. 
not just in this area of peace, particularly in this area of peace, but not just in this area of peace, in love, in joy, and in all of the rest of these areas that we're going to talk about going forward. And as we do, as we do, then we will see God use us to impact the world around us, all for Jesus' sake. At that point, then we will be able to be able to wear the badge of honor that is Matthew 5, verse 9, where Jesus says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Let's pray. Father, this morning, God, thank you that by your Spirit, that you can come and work in our hearts and our minds to make us into people that we cannot be on our own. And so this morning, Lord, as it comes to these areas of the peace of God and making peace with those around us, I pray that you would work in our hearts and our minds. That you would help us to become more and more peaceful in both respects. That as we know you better, that we would experience the peace of God in our hearts and our minds day by day. And that as we experience you in our lives and as your Holy Spirit works, that we would be better peacemakers with one another, with our families, with our neighbors, friends, co-workers, and beyond. All, Father, so that we might be able to draw attention to your Son, Jesus. So that we could point people to him. So that they could have peace with you too. And I pray these things now all in Christ's name and for his sake alone. Amen. Everybody, just before we go this morning, I have the unenviable task. I'm already crying, so you won't notice a change there. I need to read to you a letter from Kelsey Clark. It says, FBC family and friends, it is with mixed emotions that I'm writing to inform you all of my decision to resign from the position of the Director of Children and Family Ministries. I am so thankful for the time that I spent working at FBC. It was an experience that I have appreciated and valued. This job has grown and challenged me to step up to the plate and out of my comfort zone in many different ways. I am also so grateful for the people of this church and how they love and care for FBC. For these reasons, among others, I have had such, a conflicting, had such conflicting feelings about deciding to resign. However, I believe that God is pushing me to make a move elsewhere, and I am so grateful for the time that I have spent here. I have served within FBC and PBC for almost 10 years and worked in and around the office for five years. I love this church, and I believe in what it is doing in and around the community of Lloydminster. I am grateful to have been a part of a team that encourages and supports one another and who believes in each other's gifts. Although my time as a staff member is coming to an end, I am excited to continue to be a part of the church in new and different ways. I appreciate your kindness as you all allowed me and supported me as I took on this role at a young age. My last Sunday will be July 3rd, and my last day in the office will be July 15th. 
Thank you for the opportunity it was to serve you. Keep thinking big, small, in and out. I know FBC will create big waves in our community, and I am excited to be a part of it. Sincerely, Kelsey Clark. On behalf of the board and the staff and FBC as a whole, I want to say thank you to Kelsey this morning. Yeah. She, she has poured her life into FBC Kids and this church as a whole. All of her talents, all of her abilities, all of her gifts, every day. And she's just a wisp, but she's a force to be reckoned with, and I'm going to miss her around her here. We support her in her decision I'm disappointed to see her go, but we're trusting that God knows best. And again, we have peace recognizing what he's up to and the fact that what's best for Kelsey is best for FBC. And so we can trust him in that for sure going forward. I would, um, I would just ask you, encourage you, pray for Kelsey as she launches into a new chapter in her life. Uh, pray for us as we begin right away to find her replacement. Pray pray that God would bring us together with them. And then also, if you would, um, set aside right now July the 16th in your calendars. The evening of July 16th, we're going to have sort of a, a thank you and a farewell of sorts, although Kelsey's still going to be here. Um, but we're going to celebrate her on, on July the 16th, so plan to be here for that, if at all possible. Thank you very much for that. When you see her, give her a hug. She's been dreading this morning uh, and having to have this announcement become public. So uh, just give her a hug and let her know that you appreciate her and that you're praying for her going forward. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week.